So this is our big challenge. Our inbound marketing, so to speak, is fairly non-existent. You can incentivize a lot of people to make a lot of introductions if you win their trust. You know, reaching out and partnering with PE firms is probably a great way to get new leads in. If you went into LinkedIn and put people who'd ever worked in the sales capacity for J.G. Edwards and you found 500 of them, you think maybe they would have any relationships that would be worth cultivating? I like it, Jay. And again, your competitors aren't thinking this way. You could just kick butt. Welcome to the Optimize Podcast, the only show that solves business challenges in real time. Join Nick Sonnenberg, a world-leading operational efficiency expert and marketing legend, Jay Abraham. Sit in on a new kind of conversation designed to help us answer the most difficult question of all. What am I not seeing? In this episode, we're going to find out how a 20-year-old cloud computing management company can refresh its product offering and generate new leads. Eric Kiefler is the president and COO of KS2 Technologies, a company that focuses on integrating and managing cloud computing technology for organizations over $500 million in revenue. KS2 has stood the test of time, but finding new organizations to sell their service to is necessary to alleviate their current churn rate. Eric is looking to Jay and Nick to provide advice on how to create a systematized referral program and how to develop an introductory product to generate more sales. And before we get into the show, if you'd like to get in the hot seat, just head to theoptimizedpodcast.com and apply today. Hello, welcome. And we have a really stimulating guest on what I'll call our hot seat today, Eric I'm going to mess up your last name, so you tell me how to pronounce it. Kiefler. I knew that. I just wanted to make sure you did. <laughs> so Eric runs a company called KS2 Technologies, and it does very sophisticated enterprise resource planning, consulting, IP software, Excel automation, and more for, it sounds like, reasonably larger companies. We're going to get into the weeds with him. He's got, it looks like a nice business, but he wants it to be nicer. And we're going to get into it at a deeper level. So Nick and I come at it similarly, but a little different. I always want to know, tell me about the business. Tell me who you target. Tell me how you target them. Tell me what the biggest service product proposition you make. Tell me why you get the business you do. Tell me why you don't get the business you do. And I'll stop there. And then if that doesn't wear you out, I'll ask another battery of questions. Okay. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So first of all, nice to meet you, Jay. Uh, Nick, we've met before. So uh, pleasure to be on here. So thanks for having me. Nice to see you again, Eric. Yeah. And and as you said, Jay, uh, I am co-founder of a company called KS2. We're based in Texas. We have been around for over 20 years and we are focused uh, as an MSP and CSP on the enterprise resource planning space, right? And then in addition to that, we have some intellectual property and we've built out a vertically focused software platform. Eric, just for the listeners, do you mind just to spell out what those acronyms mean? Sure thing. So ERP, enterprise resource planning, and to be really specific on that, it's we focus on the Oracle or an Oracle partner focused on their JD Edwards product and their Oracle cloud infrastructure. So JD Edwards is a software package that's been around for over 20 years. The product that we work with is called Enterprise One. It does it does all your back office uh, purchasing, your inventory control, your financials. So it's it does all the heavy lifting for. Organizations that we work with are 500 million in revenue and up. That's our ICP. And are you dealing with SAP and NetSuite and, and other other systems like we, that too? Or that JDE is the main one? Yeah, so we, we resell, right? So traditional value-added reseller model. So we resell JD Edwards as a product, and then we implement and consult on that product. So... SAP, NetSuite, those products we're very well aware of. Uh, in the case of SAP, it would be a direct competitor to what we are offering. Uh, and then in the case of NetSuite, we actually run that internally for KS2. Okay. So if you don't mind, and by the way, 
Stylistically, besides being an admirer of uh, Socrates, I tend to be interruptive. If you start on a roll, Eric, and I interrupt you, it's never meant to be an affrontery or disrespect. It's meant to either get clarification for me, Nick, or the audience, or I understand it clearly, and, and I don't want to waste our limited opportunity cost, so I want to move forward, okay? I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I didn't explain what MSP and CSP is, so let me just quickly explain those. So MSP stands for Managed Service Services Provider. So what that means is once a company is running the software successfully, they will outsource some of the key functionality of keeping that software alive and current with us. And we do that on a retainer basis. So think of MRR and ARR, right? Monthly recurring revenue and annual recurring revenue. That's a key part of our business. Uh, and then the other part of that is something called CSP, which is cloud services provider. So what that means is we do the management of the Oracle cloud infrastructure, which is Oracle's cloud. And so we do all things in terms of the infrastructure part of that, the platform part of that. Uh, and we run JD Edwards on that particular cloud and make sure all of that's alive and well, uh, keep the SLAs and, and keep the customers up and running and happy. For that part of the business, is that also retainer-based or how do you? It is, yes. Okay, and uh, so get into the way you get your clients, if you don't mind. Yeah, so this is our big challenge. And I put the productize as a big, I think, input to solving this perhaps. And and you guys will be a great sounding board here and, and know probably more than me on this, frankly. Um, but our, our big challenge is this year, we have to land six new logos this year. Okay, so six new clients. All right. And we want to do that and six on the MSP and the CSP side of the house, which is that Oracle ERP space. And then we're looking for uh, to land two new ones with our cloud platform on the home building side, which that, that's for a different day. Uh, but our, our big challenge Jay and Nick is really around attracting and getting them to notice, uh, getting them to then say, hey, please give us proposal. So our, our inbound marketing, so to speak, is fairly non-existent, I would say. You know, if you were to ask me, well, then, Eric, how do you guys get your customers? I could tell you that 80%, 90% of our new logos have been through referrals. Okay, stop. What, if any, formal, systematic, strategic referral generating processes do you engage in? We have a very formal system. I'm, I'm being sarcastic. It's, uh, you know, we call, we call our long-term relationships and friends and, and we ask, you know, we, we ask for referrals that way. So it's, it's, it's very non-structured. Uh, it's very non-existent. So... Let me laud you, first of all, because obviously a referral-generated client, the prospective client, they're going to uh, negotiate less, they're going to buy sooner, they're going to be more enjoyable, they're going to appreciate you, they should be more profitable, they should last longer, and they should also refer more people. However, it's a very episodic, erratic, and very unreliable way to grow a business. I have, and I'll get into a couple of them today, but I have 125 systematic strategies for generating referrals. Uh, they don't all work for everybody, but if you don't even have one in place, and think about this, if like how many how many referrals do you normally get that close? Well, how many do you get that don't close, and how many do you get that do close for any any one of those three categories in the course of a year, if you know? Yeah, I, I would say we get a total of four to five referrals in a year. And out of those four or five, I mean, it's a it's a high close rate. It's 80%. Okay. And when you get the referrals, are they normally from a decision maker at a client, head of, you know, head of IT or whatever they're going to be called, CISO or whatever they're going to be, who are telling other corresponding people they know? Are they somebody that has moved? What, what is that? Is there a, a, a predominant scenario that occurs? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great, great question. The, I would say the pattern is sometimes it's a former client that goes to a new client, right? So then they 
immediately know us, call us and pull us in. And they, they are a decision maker. So our, our persona that we're selling to is typically the CIO. Okay. Uh, and so when they move from, you know, one client to another, then that, that tends to be an easy referral. Are you tracking that systematically using LinkedIn sales navigator so that any time a CIO changes, you get an alert? So our clients, so we have about, uh, we probably have 50 clients overall. Uh, and then out of those 50, there's probably 30 that are driving, you know, the 80%, if you will. So those 30, are you tracking them though? With, with in LinkedIn that if someone moves, you are notified? No, because we, we know them. You, you, you talk to them so much? We, t- we talk to them so much. Right, right. So tell me again, who are the decision makers at, at corporate level that are going to make the buying decision? It's usually the CIO. And then I'm seeing a lot of CTOs now. So they're, they're, ti- they're, they're, they're evolving their titles. And, and, and the type of business that uses one of these platforms, right? It's like, what size, what size business do you start seeing that they really need to think about? Once they cross the nine figure mark, then they start needing an ERP. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I would say like, you know, we run EOS. So our, our ideal client profile is 700 million and up. You know, that's, that's the sweet spot. I mean, do you have a database of, Every company in the U- U.S. that's that size, we've used different systems, you know, seamless and. Well, how many um, would you estimate, Eric, that there might be? Uh, so seven hundred million that are in the U.S. I, I would imagine it's probably ten thousand. And and it's also just to even drill it down more, right? If someone's already set up with Netsuite, right, or Sage or something, they're not someone that's going to be a client too. So it's people. Basically, it's people 700 million and up who either use Oracle or use nothing. Great point, Nick. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the key thing here is that when we're talking about our managed services, our MSP business, and we're trying to get new logos, the best thing is they already have it, right? And maybe they're working with a competitor. Maybe they are looking to outsource. Maybe you right. know, they, they haven't even thought of this. Because the lift to get someone off of another ERP is a massive lift that's probably a much harder sell, right? So how do you get a list of people that kind of go from eight to nine figures in a, in a year that might be, that might be good candidates? Because those are the people, if someone 10X is from 50 million to 500 million in a year, those are probably mm-hmm. good candidates for Does people. Does that happen a lot? No, I, that's hard to find. The easy ones to find, so, so let me, let me just, Before you answer, excuse me, Eric, tell us the scenario most common to the client referrals you're getting. Obviously, when somebody refers somebody to you, it's because the CIO or the CTO is talking to somebody else or is at somewhere else and they see that they have a need to what? Yeah, they have a need for our JD Edwards MSP services, right? So they're so somebody says, hey, you should call KS2. I've worked with them in the past. They're a great partner. I know you're not happy with your current team or with a competitor. Uh, these guys are, are awesome. So then we talk to that CIO and we qualify and, and propose from there. Okay. Let me ask you an interruptive question. Worst case, what's whether you get one or three different services with a client, what's the worst case? Is it a hundred grand a year? Is it a lot more than that? What is it? Yeah. So we're targeting on our MSP. It's normally about 25 K per month. Okay. So, so it's about 300, 300. Yeah. 300 a year. So let me give you a different construct. If the profit is very significant, then you have a lot of allocatable uh, there's something called allowable acquisition costs. And that is a phrase that talks about not what you can spend because spend is an, ano- is an erroneous perspective. It's how much can you invest to get a return on your investment? I've been talking about the difference between spend and invest all day today on podcasts. It's funny that you bring that up. I've been talking about how people talk about spending money and investing money. And it's the same with time. You can spend time and you can invest time. Yeah. So here's the concept. If you have a $300,000 minimal yield 
And I'm going to give you, I mean, I don't know if you make 10%, maybe you make 60%. Whatever you make, assuming two things. One, you have plenty of cash flow and you're not going broke. And two, you're playing a long game. And you look at that lifetime value and you also look at upgrades. You could say, wow, uh, if we make, let's hypothetically say 50%, probably far more, less than you make, but let's take it as an example. So if you made 150,000 worst case and everything else is pretty, you're profitable enough, it's not going to change your life if you didn't get that 150 in year one, but you're going to get that 150 in year two, three, four, and you'll probably get upgrades and that 150 profit might turn into $400,000 profit. Then the question is, how much is it worth investing to get that? So the first thing is, okay, we have a 50 client complement. Could we go to those clients and invite everyone who is a member of any organization of contemporaries to say, we will fund a high level day long briefing that we will do for all your corresponding? Could we get the 10,000 names of all the companies? and the names of the CTO, CIO, and that would be 20,000. Could we send every month a letter to every one of them and do what's called an assumptive letter? An assumptive letter, Eric, is a letter that basically takes an assumption. And the assumption is going to polarize because half of the people getting it are going to be uh, turned off and half are going to be turned on. If you said, I had have reason to believe you're dissatisfied with your current whatever. And I don't know if you use whatever the, the, the providers you are, the you know, Edwards or whatever. But if you do, we would like to share with you some perspectives that have gotten us these logo clients. And then you do that. And the ones that aren't unhappy or aren't using your sub are going to go, what the hell? But the ones that are, you nailed it. Do you understand that? So let's take our hypothetical of, and you'd also want to, if you've got the database, show that you're sending this to both because you don't know which one is the most frustrating. See, I don't know which one of the two of you is most frustrated if they have both you or your, you know, and so we're sending to both with total respect. And if you're not, then we apologize. And the information we received was erroneous. We'll yell at them and, and hit them with a wet noodle or something a little funny. But the point is, let's take a hypothetical. How many, how many companies on average in the range you've got have, have the provider you represent as a percentage? There were a few things there. Let me try to break it down a little bit. So the, the bigger pool of, of prospects was the 10,000 that we talked about. And that, that actually would break down though to if we said, like Nick rightly called out, you know, we want to rule out the SAGE and NetSuite, the SAP. So that 10,000 now becomes 2,500, let's say. But you don't right? know so who we, they are. I, I have a list. I have different lists because we, we go to the trade shows. We go to the user groups. You know, we're highly involved. We've been around. We're, you know, we, we've been doing this for a while. We know the company names. We don't always know the right person to talk to. So that's a key challenge, right? And the people move around. So the CIO from three years ago that we, you know, it's not a client of ours. We won't know necessarily if they're still there based on some of the, the lists and things that we have. Well, what's it worth to know every one of them? On the 2,500, if we had, you know, let, let, let's say on the, let's say the number is 2,500 and that represents 2,500 unique logos, right? If I had at those companies that were U.S.-based, so you know, rule out all the Europe and all the other international stuff, but just US-based and I can know all the CIOs or the CTOs, that's the that's the the center of the bullseye. I just got you a list of 169 of them. You want to see? Yeah. For right, JDE? Here. Yeah. Here. Tell me what you tell me if this is a good list for you. So I took companies above five thousand functions and information technology and operations, a CXO. I also threw in that they're in the LinkedIn group, Oracle ERP user groups in North America, right? And you get 169. Wouldn't that be a good place to start? That's a good start. One, one little fine tuning, Nick, I might suggest is there's actually a JD Edwards user group because mm -hmm. that Oracle ERP, the, that's a broad 
that's that's going to include like the yeah so pull that one and then pull the other one too pull the oh you want you want both or just that yes one? no pull pull yeah the, right. the there you go so you got 200 well we don't have to go over this on on this call but you know this might be another thing to just take a look at you got 43 leads here but there's a lot yep. of slices and dices if you have the name of every company and you can't find the name by using LinkedIn, you could find somebody that used to work in the IT department. You could have a, uh, you could have a subcontractor contact and say, who's the head of it? Are they still there? And they go, I don't know. Can you find out? And it's a manual function, but I mean, if it's an invaluable asset, that should be a top priority, don't you think? Without a doubt. Reality check. So, also, what I always say is who's already got a trusted, direct, uh, credible access to the same decision makers you've got, but isn't competitive? What kind of generic providers already are dealing with these same people? And then you want, uh, there's two categories. There's the big corporate ones who aren't going to be receptive to you. And there are the independents. All the independents who have that kind of a relationship assuming the kind of profitability we're talking about, if you are generous enough in year one on at least the first service, you can incentivize a lot of people to make a lot of introductions if you win their trust and show them that you bring value to them. That's that's the second thing. And it's a whole huge potential. So you said that I need, you know, a huge portion are the ones that are are just dissatisfied with their provider, but they're already using JG Edwards. Is a percentage of them people that are switching or not? Yeah, there's there's people that are switching. Would you say that percentage is just hypothetical? You know, it, it's going to change each year because the the contracts can be multi. I would say twenty five to thirty percent. Okay, so you talked about the other 70, uh, 500 people not being J.G. Edwards, but it would cost you every month to send a letter to both the CIO and the CTO of those 7,500, a whopping 10 grand. So for 120 grand, if you got nobody one year, you're going to talk to all of them and say, I heard you were contemplating, you were contemplating changing providers or changing software, whatever they're called. I mean, so that's another thing you could do. And you could test it for three months. And if you got nothing, you stop. But what if you get one deal? And it costs you 30 grand to get, in my hypothetical, 150 times five years plus upgrade. It's sort of interesting. Yield it to game you'd be playing, wouldn't it? Absolutely. That's that's the exact game that we play with the events that we do with you know the, the small book that I wrote. It's the same thing that it's it's meant to drive that, you know. What do you do with the book? So, so far, we just we just published it a week ago. Um, so right the book now, is the, the Excel, the Excel book, the Enterprise Excel. Yes. What's the title? Enterprise Excel. And what's the premise? So the the story is we do these huge projects with these companies, okay? And we implement Oracle software with them. And it's a, let's say it's a $2 million project, right? And we get this sophisticated software all working over a 12 month to 18 month period. And then when we go live on the first work day of the go live, what does everybody do? They pull out Excel and they start downloading the data into Excel from this beautiful new system and that's where they make all their decisions. Okay, so the, the tongue-in-cheek on the book is Excel is your real ERP. And that's kind of the, you know, the ha-ha. But the, the reality is we then said, why fight that? Let's embrace that and let's treat Excel as a web application. And so let's integrate it with that sophisticated API engine within JD Edwards. And let's make it secure. Let's make it safe. Uh, and let's make it auditable by, you know, the internal auditors and the external auditors. And, and, and so that's what the book is about. It's cool. And so it's very, it's very, it's a new slant and it's very provocative, right? So what, how many copies have you printed? So we've printed just 200 right now. And the reason? Uh, so 
I don't know. That's a good question. I, I, I mean, that's just what we... There's 2,500 times two that should have that in their hands to gain an awareness of your your uh, your nonlinear thinking and your more pragmatic thinking. You should probably get it in their hands, shouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. And it could be that if you got an endorser who is even more respected to do it, that would even be more powerful, wouldn't it? And you could start by saying to all your 50 clients, how many other CIOs, CTOs do you know who would like this book? And then send the rest of them with a cover letter saying, we have a new slant on this concept. It's almost funny, but it's not. Uh, when you read it, you're going to smile and you're going to gulp. But our hypothesis, our thesis, our, our, you know, our stratagem, we think will make a lot of sense. It'll mean a lot to us to, you know, to see this at least belief system embraced, uh, hopefully something down the line you might want to ask us about. But right now, it, it's our great pleasure to buy you a copy of this book. And you just send it to them. See, that's why I'm here, Jay. <laughs> I mean, what expansion up or upsell opportunities? Jay brought this up earlier. But you know, as you're talking about this stuff, I'm thinking to myself, well, people that you're helping with an ERP, you know, leverage, we do operational efficiency training consulting. So training them on Outlook and Microsoft Teams and SharePoint and Asana and all these tools, all these businesses could probably benefit from our services. Like, do you ever partner with people like us and then have some type of affiliate arrangement and use that as an opportunity to expand? Always, yeah. Always looking for, you know, a strategic coach. We talk about unique abilities and combining those, right? So how could we do that? Um, we do that really well with with some other partners, not, not in the space that you're in, Nick, but in like, no, well, we should, kind of, yeah, we should talk. It's a, that's a easy one. That's mutually. And then the other, the other thing I was thinking about back to the conversation about acquiring customers, have you ever reached out to partner with PE firms? Because these people that are investing in companies, they're probably looking for opportunity. And if some, you know, one of the things that probably would excite a PE firm is, hey, this company is doing $100 million a year. They have no ERP system. Let's acquire it and put some systems in it and make it worth a billion. And so, you know, reaching out and partnering with PE firms is probably a great way to get new leads in because that's, that's probably a hotbed. No? I love that. Um, just, again, it's all relate. In my world, it's, it's relationships. I don't have those PE and, and those relationships. So those, that's not the world that I, I, I live on the outside of that world with more VC that, yeah. But it's not impossible. And mm -hmm. you know, then that one relationship opens the door for you to have dozens of opportunities. You know, you could be the go-to ERP person for private equity firm A, private equity firm B, and just capture all their portfolio companies. In your intake, you talked about productizing could you maybe explain a little bit more what, yeah. what you were looking to get out of that? Yeah. So, you know, if you go to our website and you say, and, and based on the intro that I said that we're an MSP and CSP, you would look at our website and you, you might say, well, what am I buying? Right? Like, how do I, how do I transact? How, what do I do? How do I get started? That's kind of non-existent, I would say. And so as we, we thought about it internally, we said, well, one of the things as we try to load up our salespeople is what are they selling? Are they selling KS2 managed services? Is that the name of the product? Or do we need to boil this down, make this simpler and provide some, you know, Jay mentioned an assessment, right? Do we need to have the MSP assessment? Do we need to have the technical MSP, the functional MSP, the development MSP? So it's, it's a little bit technical, but just breaking down all the different services that we provide within the umbrella of the MSP. What what percentage of your clients that you acquire have not no ERP versus they have one and they're looking for you to help them enhance what they've already got? The percent that has no ERP is probably that, that doesn't. They all have an ERP. Okay, so the percent is very low. So the, we call those net new logos, right? So that we would convert them from Microsoft Dynamics to. Oracle JD Edwards. But it's never like they're on nothing and you're helping them just get started. It's always they they have it. And so was the assessment you were talking about, do you have an assessment product that for X, you know, X thousand or hundred thousand, whatever it is, we will assess 
the state of your current ERP and kind of build out a roadmap for a hundred grand, we will audit and diagnose and do a CAT scan diagnostic on your ERP and give you an A through F rating or however you want to do it with an extensive report of what we found. And that's the intro product. And they basically pay you for a sales proposal. We, we have not done that. Well, that could be a product. That's what we do at Leverage. We, we, one of the best, best things we ever did was we created a product called a roadmap product. And you know, a lot of people don't know where to start and, and you know, they don't know how messed up their systems are and all that. So it's like, look, pay us this. It's a flat rate. We'll come in. We'll do a series of interviews, group and one-on-one, and we'll build out a report. And it's an easy way to get to know us. And it's not just a report of our findings, but we also will will say, this is what, if this were our business, this is what we would do first, second, third, because the order matters. You can't fix everything mm-hmm. at once. So right. saying to them, look, we understand everyone's busy at full capacity and we get that. So we're going to give you not just the, the, the things to fix, but we will give you a prioritized list so that the first thing is going to generate the biggest yield and in the shortest time period. And then that's going to make an impact and we'll reinvest that freed up time into the next thing. So we've productized this roadmap. And then from there, we talk about what the next step is, whether it's a retainer, whether it's train, like whatever it is, but it's an easy way to say, yes, it's a container. It's a fixed rate product that, you know, we basically productized around a set deliverable and it's not too expensive that you know, freaks anyone out. And it's an easy way to, to know on both sides, will this be a good relationship? Yeah, that, that's a great idea, Nick. We have talked about those types of things. Our challenge on our side is, I mean, we, we're, we're extremely busy. We've got, you know, taking care of these 30 clients. We've got a significant amount of MRR and SLAs and things we have to do. So as an operator, I, and, and you know, we talk about working on the business and all this. It's, Getting back to so well so so let me ask you a question. You said at the very beginning you needed six new logos. How are you going to support those six new logos? And then the second question is why do you need six new logos versus you know if you're profitable enough and and have enough revenue, why is the priority six new rev, new logos versus taking freed up space and time that you wouldn't be using to go out and acquire and serve those to then build stuff on your foundational level? to work on your business. Yeah, we, we need the, the new logos for a couple of reasons. One is there is churn. Okay, so customers do change, right? And we've, we've won some, but we've also lost some. So just being honest, right? So we, we've had some that, you know, we've had under contract for two years and then administration, I call it the administration changes, right? Maybe our relationship moved on. And so a new person comes in and says, I want a new provider. Well, it could also just be that we're going through an economy right now where budgets are getting cut and, you know, so get that. But even if you lose, even with your churn, uh, if you don't get six, are you okay uh, financially yeah. or are you, so you could still consciously make the decision to not backfill what gets churned out and take that extra breathing room to, to build this new product. And, and that's a really, really good Good point, Nick, around the, you know, do we, do we invest for growth, right? Or do we invest for improving what we already have? Or do three, you know, can take it in the middle. Look, we'll just backfill three and have still, you know, we'll, we'll balance short-term growth with long-term stuff, but it's the same with efficiency. You know, uh, the example I use all the time is if you have a broken sink with water overflowing and it takes you five minutes to mop the floor or an hour to patch the pipe. Most people are just mopping the floor. But if every week you got to spend five minutes mopping the floor after 12 weeks, you would have been better off just patching the pipe. And then in perpetuity, you don't, you, you say five minutes a week. So it's, it's always a balance of short and long term. But if that product can help you save time or more efficiently acquire customers, you know, it's, it's all a trade-off, you know, can you financially afford the trade-off of giving up some short-term profit and revenue and make the bet that the time investment on building that product, you know, in a 12 month or 24 month period is going to be worth more to you than the extra few clients you get in the short term. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. Our, our other thinking on this is that our platform will support many more customers. So we, we feel like we, 
have the capacity to add the six in the, with the current team and staff with, without having to, you know, break a pipe. Kind of, so gotcha. And without, without taking away from your ability to build, because I guess whose time does it pull from, from that is a important point. Correct. Yeah. The factory is tooled up for it. We're, we're a little underutilized. And so we've got to, we've got to ratchet it up a little bit. Where are you spending your time then right now that is taking you away from being able to build that product? So biz dev. So right now we are, you know, we're, we're in biz dev mode. So we were just at the international builder show in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago and, and meeting with clients, getting our book out there, getting our message out there, just connecting and getting referrals too, as part of that. So that was, that was um, successful. And then I just got back from a large potential prospect that we're, we're pitching to. So, you know, kind of on the front lines of trying to drive those, you know, those the 10x deals or however you want to refer to this. Get some good prospects. We got a couple really good opportunities. Yes. And, you know, I, I like Jay where you were, you were at in terms of the, you know, the spend and the, the investments, you know, we, we made a five-figure investment at that show. And our goal is it's got to be a 10x return. Okay. Okay. But you have to look at the return over time as well, not just one, you know, one shot. If you know, if you know, worst case, you get two years out of it, then you can look at it two ways, depending on what it takes to absorb the, uh, the fulfillment cost. How many salespeople do you have? Do I include myself in that? We, we have we have three dedicated salespeople that are not myself or my business partner. And what do they do all day? So we, we have account management. So they are regularly working with clients for additional SOWs, additional work that's required, writing those up. In addition, there is expansion activity in those accounts. And some of the accounts are large, so they have multiple entities. So it's almost like multiple logos. So those are... Those consume and they, they tend to be complex in the approval process. So I have two people that are doing that. I'll call it account management. And then I have another person that's doing more hunting and biz dev work. And do they, are they full time doing that? They are. They're on payroll. Oh, and in the course of it, whatever, a month, a quarter, a year, are they uncovering a lot of opportunities? So in the case of the, the account managers, they're uncovering opportunities within the existing clients. Their upgrades or, or enhancements, upsell, things like that. I understand. But how about everyone? Not as me. It's harder. For, I mean, I, I would be polite. So let me give you an alternative. If you identified a number of different kinds of generic, uh, non-competitive entities uh, or categories that already had a relationship with the same kind of decision makers, CIOs, CTOs, you might reallocate some of the time your salespeople are not performing. That salesperson, he or she is struggling. I'm not criticizing them, maybe struggling with the approach they're taking and say, I want you to spend half your time trying to build partnerships with people that already have a relationship. They can be people selling things. They can be people who got a podcast, blog, whatever, you know, they could be people selling. For example, I happen to know one of my past clients is the number one authority in the field of uh, cybersecurity. He, his, his uh, training program is, has been used by more CISOs. I don't know if CISOs are good or bad, but somebody like that who has 20,000 people in his database might be a really interesting person. And there might be a hundred of those. So if you had your salesperson instead of just cold calling and getting, uh, you know, thwarted, spending half of his or her time setting up a relationship where you were very generous, but you first of all, before you could be generous, they had to believe in you. They had to learn and appreciate that you provided some dimension of superiority and service value, some criteria. So they with total integrity could tell everybody, could interview you could make you the recommended source. What if your salesperson set up a hundred of those? What do you think might happen over the course of forever? I love that idea. I mean, the, the key is the, you know, in the old days, there used to be a lot of synergy with IBM and, and what we're doing with JD Edwards. And that synergy has, 
has diminished, I would say. And so we're, we're now looking for those partners that are, you know, have the same hero target that we do, so to speak. And, right? and let me ask you a different question. So JD Edwards is owned by Oracle, right? Yes, sir. If you went right now, uh, and again, I'm not a knowledgeable, Nick knows how to use LinkedIn. I wish I did. But if you went into LinkedIn and put people who'd ever worked in the sales capacity for JG Edwards and you found 500 of them, you think maybe they would have any relationships that would be worth cultivating? Uh, yes, I would say yes. I think that's a really, that's a really good idea. Jay just dropped the mic at the end of the podcast here. <laughs> I like it, Jay. I'm going to, can I take a note? Can I take a note on that? That might be worth the jotting down here. <laughs> Do whatever you like. So I don't have anything else. What about you, Nick? That's a jotter downer. On the pricing side of things, the, the retainer, the 25K a month that you were talking about, does the amount of effort it takes to service the, those contracts exponentially go down year over year that you have a contract? Meaning the gross profit margins going up? I think I understand. So the, the gross profit goes up over time. Because the, the big lift is at the beginning when you're getting set up and fixing stuff. And then after a while, it's on autopilot, but you're still charging. You know, so, so you're making this more significant profit margins into year two, three, four in these engagements? That's the goal. So our, but what, here's what we do though. So what, what we do is, you know, a lot of the metrics are driven by ticket management, right? Like how many tickets did we solve this month? How many tickets were open, closed? Did we meet the SLAs? These types of things. And over time, we try to reduce that. And as we reduce that, we also say, you know, customer after a year, we reevaluate and we say, you know what? you need us less than you're paying for. And so we'll actually, we'll actually go back and say, you know, we can reduce your fees. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. So let's break down, where are you spending your time so that we can give you more time to focus on some of these, you know, brilliant ideas that we've just come up with in the last hour? Yeah, so we run EOS, as I mentioned before, and I'm the integrator for our company. And how many employees do you have? Uh, about 50. So we have about 50 employees and then we have, we have about 15, 1099s. We have um, some offshore capabilities. So there's, it's kind of far flung right now with, you know, everybody's remote. Uh, we, we do have an office building here in Grapevine, Texas. And, you know, most of my time is spent with LMA. So leading, managing, holding people accountable, right? So a lot of leadership type stuff with the team. We're, we're working on some big projects with uh, the SBA, we're, with funding, we're working on some, you know, so a lot of rock related things, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And then from, a, from an, a tech standpoint, what are you guys using to operate? Outlook, Microsoft Teams, Asana? So we run Google Workspace for all of our you know, email and that. Uh, we also run Office for Excel, PowerPoint, Word, all that. We run Slack. Um, we have Jira, we have Confluence, we have NetSuite, and we have OpenAir for our professional service automation. Those are probably the core ap applications. I have a personal preference between Slack and Gmail over Teams and Outlook, but they are quite similar. If you're already paying for the Office 365, the Office uh, license, why don't you just save save on the Google and uh, Slack and just have you know, everyone on, on Microsoft. Yeah, we, we need to migrate. Um, that, that's the reality. We just haven't, we, we started with Gmail and my partner and I are, are yeah, I'm partial to Gmail because it just works. I say, same, but I mean, it's not that much of a difference, right? And I mean, this isn't going to make you millions of dollars, but it might save you 10, 20, 20 grand a year to consolidate. I mean, that's kind of free money. And then what about the way that you, and what do you use? You use Jira. Why are you using Jira to manage tasks and projects? Is it is that the developers are using that? Yeah. So we, we use Jira and the, the Kanban boards and, or, you know, the boards in there. Uh, we also use Smartsheets for the kind of project management stuff, but all of our ticketing and everything is through Jira. The ticketing through the clients. Cause is that because developers are the ones answering? Or customer success people are answering in Jira. Yeah, it's our customer success. And NetSuite, I'm not as familiar with NetSuite. Does that not have any kind of customer success ticketing built in like a Zendesk would have? 
So open air might, open air is there, that's where we enter our time and, and do all the tracking in there. Yep. But yeah, I, we don't like it as much for that. We, we like it for the time tracking and the booking and the rule stuff. Yeah. And did you ever look at Asana for just managing the tasks and the projects versus doing it in smart sheets? No. No, I'm not, we're not as familiar with so. that. Yeah. In, in my experience, managing work, tasks, and projects, Smartsheets is a, it's a, it's a great tool for certain things, but for kind of the core of collaboration, I think Asana is far superior. And what about take like email or people, do you have, I'm guessing because most companies wasting a lot of time in email and have thousands and thousands of, of emails in your inbox? No, no, we, we, I think I actually watched your inbox zero. There, there was a session. Oh, did that, did that go? <laughs> and then I, I said, okay, team, you guys better watch this. And then what we did was we integrated uh, Jira with Slack. So all of the tickets from clients and things, as they come in through Jira, you get a, we have Slack channels for those. And so you can just respond and, and answer them in there. Yeah. So our inbox, our inbox is still messy. So I'm not trying to say that it's, it's not, it's still messy, but it's a lot better because we, we handle those interactions in a Slack channel. Right. So you've moved a lot of stuff out of email into, into other tools. So you still probably have an opportunity to use email properly. And, you know, there's a bunch of content we've put out and at Leverage, we can help with that too. But I would, I would really recommend just email is a great one to save immediate time. You're in a role where you're probably emailing a lot of people, right? Because you're trying to get new clients, your biz dev, et cetera. So getting a grip on how you engage and manage email, one, will save you time, but two, you potentially could be missing opportunities and money in your inbox if, if, if you're not on top of it properly. And if you don't manage it properly, we're seeing hours a week wasted. So I would look at that and I'd also look consider Asana over Smartsheets to save a bit of time. What are you using for your... In oh, you said uh, Confluence is your knowledge base? Yes. Cool. And that's... That's working well for you? So far, you know, the, the, all the tools kind of have their limits at times, right? And it's just when are we going to hit our head on the ceiling, it seems like, at times. All right. Well, those are just a few few things uh, you might want to think about. All right. Jay, anything else on your side? I mean, I could go on and on, but I think the key to all this, Eric, is to, I mean, I find, and, and I've done lots of this, many companies don't realize how fortunate they are and also how tactical they are, with all due respect, if they build their business on organic referrals, that uh, it's a great accolade to how people uh, value and, and perceive you, but it's totally uncontrollable. Sometimes you get a lot, sometimes you get none. If you had one or two referral systems in play, there are many of them. I don't mind. I'll, I'll, I'll have Nick get you one of my programs on it. It's very entrepreneurial, but you could easily adapt two or three out of a hundred. But the truth of the matter is, I think if you reflect on this, I, I guess you'll probably either see it or Nick will give you a, a confidential uh, recording of it. But the truth of the matter is you should be very excited because there's a ton of things not only are you not doing, but the stuff that I do, and I think Nick as well, but I'm very nonlinear, but I've drawn from uh, over a thousand industries that I've been involved in. And most people you're competing against are going to be very linear minded. They're going to go after it pretty much the same way. If you go about it the way you've been going about it, but then you expand and you multiply your access vehicles, your strategic approaches, your proactive instead of reactive, you should very uh, quickly see an enormous lift. And uh, hopefully you got your mind spun a little bit. Yeah, I've got. I should show you my page. I've got like, I've got, an <laughs> I, I've got my impact filter and then I've got like asterisk, 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 you know. So, so what are, what are some of the highlights from the conversation that, you know, if we have you back in six months or 12 months, we can hold you accountable to and, and see, see the impact it made? Yeah. So I, I really like the LinkedIn piece that we did. I, I have it and I just, I don't know why I just never have done that. So that was just like a, that like a slap across the face, like wake up, you know, you need to do that. So that I asterisk that, um, reallocating time to partnerships. So kind of re 
we used to be really, really good at this and the partners would refer us. And then that's also like a warm, a warm intro. And those are, those have a high close rate, right? Versus a client referral. So partner referral versus client referral. So that, I love that. This started with, you know, productizing and Nick, you said, you know, we have a roadmap assessment um, and that may not be the exact wording, but an assessment and a roadmap, which I really like that because we, we've done it in the past. So it was another like, you know, kicking the pants, like, Hey, that, that stuff works. Right. And we do licensing assessments, which is, which is good. So I, I starred that, um, the referral system has been on my list for a while. And again, it's just, you know, it's, it's parked on the long-term issues list. It's like, get, need to get to it. But I, I would love it if, if Jay, uh, or, or you, Nick could share, you know, a system, um, because we need systems versus just, you know, trying it once and then try it again six months from now. You need a, a regular system that salespeople can run or that I can run, whoever can run. So I love that. Um, Asana, I, I, again, I, you know, we know what we know sometimes and I don't pretend to know everything because it's, it's such a vast IT world. So I love just hearing that that's better than Smartsheets. So I'm going to check that out. Um, the list conversation that we had, Jay, around, you know, if, if we got the right 2,500 in those investments and things, um, that, that was very encouraging and, and would like to see more on that. Uh, yeah, that's just a handful of things. So those were those, the PE firms that, that piece, I, you know, I, I know people in PE, but again, is it, how do we, how do we leverage that and, and get some lift? It's a lot. Well, I'll be thrilled to see you act on many of these. It'll, it'll be very fascinating and, and don't be surprised just like anything else. If the first, uh, attempt at executing isn't perfect and doesn't rock the world. But if you really, if you really uh, persevere, all of these things are empirically valid to work. So you just, you, and again, your competitors aren't thinking this way. So once you get your marketing, selling, partnering sea legs, you could just kick butt. So good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. I really appreciate your time and all the suggestions and, and advice. You're very welcome. Thank you to everyone at home or on the go for listening. If you find this show helpful, please hit the follow or subscribe button. It does wonders for the show. So more people can find the optimized podcast organically. If you'd like to be on the show, we have an open invite to anyone who wants our challenges solved. If you want to get in the hot seat, you can submit your business right now at theoptimizedpodcast.com. If we think you're a good fit, we'll get you on the show. If you have any questions or recommendation, drop us a comment right here, wherever you're listening to your podcast. We'd love to hear from you. See you on the next episode.